0: This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. Another new show, Kevin, what do you got? You got a kitchen story coming up, right?
1: Yeah, we're it's a progress Continue.
0: kitchen. Continue. We're at
1: the final stretch, and it's just nice to see progress getting done. I'm sure homeowners like, but we have Mike coming back on to talk about the project of his laundry room and kitchen. Both were done at the same time, and we are getting close. So, Mike, why don't you talk about what it's been like for the past two and a half weeks?
3: Well, the past two and a half weeks have certainly been a lot better than the two weeks prior to that. <laughs> As Kevin said, we're kind of coming down the final stretch here. A lot of stuff is gotten done very quickly. You know, you're starting to see the final product take shape. We're getting really close. We're getting really excited. And it's quite a change from what I would say was the first two weeks, which was primarily demo, seeing your kitchen ripped apart and not really being able to kind of visualize what the final product is going to be but it's really exciting and then really quite a big shift from what the first couple of weeks were uh, in terms of the project.
1: So with your existing kitchen, for our listeners that are getting caught up here, what were the existing cabinets and countertop?
3: The existing cabinets were an off-white color. It engraved or embossed a little bit in a pattern that wasn't quite our style. Cabinets were quite old. They'd started to creak, the hinges would fail, and it just didn't have the look that we were going for. The countertops were a uh, dark black granite starting to chip in various places. The countertops were segmented and seamed in various places that were starting to come apart. So the kitchen was starting to come apart really a little bit. And, and now we kind of have a more modern kitchen with typical white shaker style cabinets, a nice white quartz countertop with a little bit of a gray moral pattern throughout. And it just looks like a very clean, crisp, modern kitchen.
0: Yeah, we have talked about that. And the shaker style, it's timeless. It's existed for hundreds of years, and it comes and it goes, but it always comes back because it's so simple.
1: This is one of the first kitchens that we did in a while that we really kept with inside the same footprint. We had plenty of space to add some more cabinets. There was Mm -hmm. a section in the family room which had cabinets that we had a sink but we didn't use so or he didn't use so i took the sink out and gave him another countertop with some shelving there's another area where it was not really used too well for spacing wise we put a couple extra cabinets and shelves in the corner right when you walk in from the laundry room so there's a lot more user availability with this layout and
0: not custom cabinets they were like off the shelf cabinets no
1: these are, not just, these are pretty high-end cabinets High-end cabinets. yes yeah, so okay. all all right. very nice looking but it also made availability for like the refrigerator. Everybody's been going more with the the larger forty-eight inch refrigerator because the counter depth looks so much nicer. So, but when you go to counter depth, people complain about the space that you don't have in the refrigerator. They so they go, they go real wide, wide. Yeah. Okay. So, I, so one of the lessons when we put some pictures up on on our social media for the Your Valuable Home show, the higher end refrigerators have always been very slow to get there. So, Mike, how, how many years ago did you order the refrigerator?
3: We ordered this, I think, towards the middle or end of last March.
1: And when was the projection to come in? At that point, we were looking at 14 months. For customs. So uh, when you see her...
0: all that stuff was gone already, all those delays and everything. No. Supply no. chain stuff.
1: Just on certain products. They're still a little bit delayed, but we'll be done the kitchen. And uh, we're just using the old refrigerator. It's still in perfect working order. But it's not that when you see this custom kitchen that's going in, that's not the refrigerator they're going to be using because it's only a 36-inch. The actual unit we have is a 48-inch opening ready for the Sub-Zero that we're putting in. So that's a little bit of a delay. But for our listeners to understand that some delays can happen, but when we started the job, all the material was there, we got going, and the flooring is done. Mike, you want to explain what's going on with the floor?
3: It's just a continuation of the rest of the floor that we have throughout the rest of the house. It's five-inch hardwood that we got put down, and we're just going to stain it to try and match. and may make it look like a seamless transition between... In the kitchen and the family room on one end and the kitchen and the foyer on the other end.
1: One of my buddies is an awesome floor guy. And what was really nice about it is because a lot of these newer homes have the joist, which is the framing members underneath your floors. They turned. When it comes to real natural hardwood floors, you've got to go perpendicular to the flooring joists. I would think so, So yeah. it's got to cover yeah. it. So he came up with a few ideas and he just said, hey, let's just put it together and see what I can come up with. And he actually did like a parquet floor herringbone type match up because mm-hmm. he had to change the direction of the flooring mm-hmm. and i thought he did a phenomenal job with off the know,
3: it looks it looks fantastic yeah you really you can't really tell unless you're really looking at it it was either between that and the kind of a turntable design but yeah, this looks a v- like a very seamless transition into the other room
0: so it's a hurrying bone style right
1: yeah it just match it every piece yeah, was turned I- the floor is rough right now mm-hmm. which is that raw which means he's going to come back and take about a good 16th inch off of the flooring he's going to sand it which then is the existing floor in the foyer is going to be sanded also and then he's going to blend from is there is that herringbone too no just standard application okay but it's all matched all the way up through to this one area where it's angled off from a 45 degree angle to get into the family room but it was because the floor joists have turned how does he make it work so it doesn't look like a threshold both mike and i we, we don't like thresholds mm-hmm. and then when it turns into the hallway which then goes into the laundry room what i did was i took concrete board and then I moved it to quarter inch glued and screwed, lots of screws. And then the tile is actually going to butt right up to it. So there's no threshold transition. You ever notice what people complain about is the thresholds because it's a lot higher Yeah, right, Exactly. point A yeah. to point B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I like to keep it pretty matching. So it's very minimal. So worst case an eighth inch to a sixteenth in that area, the transition is going to be pretty minimal. So I like it better because it's just for a tripping hazard. So Mike, you and I are on the same page with that, correct?
3: Oh, yeah. From the transition on the hardwood looks fantastic. And if everything holds up on the tile to the wood, yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. It's going to look seamless.
1: Well, Mike, why don't we go real quick. Explain the laundry room, what you're doing in that room.
3: Yeah. So the laundry room is really kind of a combination. Part of it's a, a mudroom entryway from the garage. The rest of it is, you know, just washer dryer. And we had a old tub style sink in there. And what we kind of did was on the mudroom portion, we blew out a sliding door closet that was there and really kind of opened up the space to kind of have a little bench area where you can come in, sit down, take off your shoes, put the shoes underneath the bench area for hanging up your jackets and then kind of making your way in through the kitchen. And then the rest of it is, you know, you kind of got your washer dryer, a new countertop with an undermount sink rather than the big tub style utility sinks on one side of the laundry room. And on the other side, an area to hang clothes, you know, jeans, longer style clothes to hang on a rod. uh, And then on another side, an area where you can kind of use as a tabletop to fold your clothes and put laundry baskets, things like that. So it's more organization, a a better use of the space than what was there previously.
1: Yeah, it's, it's huge yeah i like the space right when you walk in what was really funny is that when we we were discussing this so what mike wanted to do was the door since the door opened uh, into that closet the old closet and now since the what he's talking about that bench is going to be there Mm -hmm. we put a new fire door in a fire rated door and we switch the handle and it If you're using it so much, so Mike, I think you were there with the story when I was telling you when your wife had walked out, she was talking to me and looking behind me and I just installed the new door while her left hand was reaching for the handle. Well, the handle's now on the right side.
0: The side, yeah. So we had
1: a great, we laughed about it. Mm -hmm. So it's just getting used to all these little bit of changes, but it's a really great concept and much more user-friendly because of that storage area. The sliding doors that I had wasn't really used too well because it really just hang some coats and uh, put a shelf in there. Now it's user-friendly throughout the entire mudroom, laundry room area. Hmm. So we'll have those pictures up. The, the granite, I believe, is going in another 48 hours. You'll have full style stone that's going to be in there. You're using some type of uh, man-made material, correct? No, that is a quartz. That's a quartz. And we're doing something different on the island, correct?
3: Yeah, so the perimeter of the kitchen is just a kind of standard bevel on the countertops. And then we're doing a three-inch miter cut on the island for
1: the kitchen. I'm
0: looking forward to it. This sounds it. like it's going to be really uh, knocked out.
1: It's gorgeous. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's now at the final stages. So we're going to get you on with the final once everything is said and done in the flooring because that's going to be the most encumbersome with the flooring because he's not going to be able to be there. Because of the whole floor getting stained and, and urethaneed, you can't walk. You on gotta floor get out the of the place. house, right? Correct. Yeah. So that's the only downside. But we're working together with the flooring guy, and everything's going pretty well. Mike, we'd like to get you back on at the final to talk about your whole progress. Yeah,
0: it sounds like you got quite a project going on there, Mike. We're excited
3: and, and happy to talk about it when it's all said and done. We're really looking forward to it.
0: All right, Kev, you've got another doozer of a horror story to talk about. This is a double whammy horror story, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Thanks to our listeners for writing in and give us a little bit of input on, on what they went through so it doesn't happen to anybody else. But it was a situation where they had a, a leak in a roof and they called a roofing company up. And they said that the roofer came out, gave him a decent price, put the new roof on, but it had a slow leak, but they didn't understand at that time that the slow leak was a lot more than they thought. So after six months, she wrote that they noticed the leak was getting a little bit worse, but apparently what was happening, they never put step flashing in the new step flashing. So the old step flashing was leaking down the outside of the wall for a six month period as it showed up uh, into the drywall area. The homeowner then had to call the roofer back out. They investigated a lot more. Apparently the flashing had not been installed properly. The old flashing was still there. Leaked down the wall, rotted the wall out, destroyed the insulation. There was a ton of mold in there. So then they hired another company because they didn't trust the roofing company to come out to do all new siding. You and I talked about it. Roofers are just, they're salesmen and subs. You're going to get the roofer that's going to come out who owns the company. is going to sub it out to somebody. It's not the employees that's one doing it because if he asks, let me see the workman's comp on it for each guy that's going to be on the roof and give it like a six month period, they're not even going to come to do your job. You know, kudos to the guys that are doing it right. But this is what's happening in the industry today. They said they couldn't communicate with any of the guys because first they had a little situation with the color. The color was not right. And then they went back and then they got the right color. And it was just a nightmare, she said, doing it. But they said, hey, the roof was done. Let me just move on. But it was that water spot that kept getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse. But just because it doesn't show itself on the inside bad doesn't mean it's not leaking. And when they called another company out to come and take the drywall down, they noticed everything rotted. so, yeah, they did end up calling another company, figuring, hey, they sold them a bill of goods. It's going to be our guys coming out to do the siding. We're going to get it done in this amount of time. Sold them another bill of goods. Well, of course, as you know, uh, they lied. <laughs> so when you're doing the siding, and, and how many times have we talked about this? Like even on the video, Provia Sugar Shack that we did on YouTube series. You got to put the Tyvek on properly. The email that she sent us, she said, yeah, I guess uh, when they were installing, my husband was home and they weren't putting Tyvek under certain parts of the siding. Well, what's the sense of doing Tyvek if you're not going to put it under
0: to properly install and it? What was, what was that all about? Did she ask the question? Did she, she ask anybody what happened
1: there? Uh, yeah, after a while. Again, well, they couldn't talk to the, the guys doing the work because they didn't understand English. So they oh. had to call the company back out, try to get a foreman out there. About three hours later, the foreman shows up. They kept working. She said, the the guys kept working, installing the siding without putting the Tyvek underneath. So they got about three quarters up the way of the wall, and they said last couple of feet, they decided not to put the Tyvek down. So that's what I was responding back and forth with. They're saying, well, that's what Tyvek does. It's designed for uh, water penetration. It's designed for moisture. It's designed to seal your house up so there's no air that infiltrates those areas uh, that are in the old part of the sheathing. So yeah, if you paid for it, you should be receiving it. I mean, I I told her about the show we did with Tyvek back in 2021 to go listen to it to give her a a better understanding of it. But she said, my husband and I knew that. So she went on saying about how in the email that the guys came out, they had to rip all the siding down uh, to recheck because there was areas where there was no Tyvek under it. So you're paying a company a lot of money to install a job and they're not doing it correctly. Uh, I, what kind of faith do you have? She said, this was one of the larger companies. She went with a, a larger company this time to ensure that, Hey, they've, it's a large company. We're going to get the job done right. And I said, well, just because the company size doesn't mean they're going to get it right. They're just submitting oh. out the people.
0: Yep. Yeah. As a matter of fact, sometimes you look at that equation and maybe the bigger the company, you know, you're going to get a job done wrong. You know what I mean? It all depends on who they're hiring.
1: And that's the most important part. You and I talked about this run so many times on the show. Oh, yeah. Number one, what are you purchasing? Number two, Is what's the method of application? How's the Tyvek? Is it installed correctly? Is it installed overlap properly? Is it taped? Is there rubber around the window according to Tyvek standards? And the third most important thing I always tell homeowners, the most important thing is this, who is physically doing the work? Because if you have somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, they're just hiring these guys and they have really no experience. They're just hanging siding and not doing the whole underlayment correctly. It goes back to the roof that she had done. The guys did the roof fine, but if you're not going to get the underlayment, which is the ice shield or the, the step flashing and replace it correctly, you're going to have problems. I figured you could make a couple shortcuts and get done the job quicker by not putting Tyvek under certain areas, not taping it. So less time would mean more money for the sub because that subcontractor, whether it's 200 days or one day to do it, they're getting paid on the amount of squares that they're installing. So faster they install, the quicker they're going to get their money. So how do you fast do you think they're going to get that done? How many shortcuts do you think they're going to be making?
0: Super fast. I got to tell you, this is a short story about my house, when my house was built. That goes back, what, a few years now. They did all the drywall in one day. That's kind of crazy, isn't it?
1: Uh, well, it depends on the amount of guys. The most important thing about it is, look, sometimes they, they do screw up around the lights or the outlets. The spackle guys are going to fix it clean. But I've seen a ton of times in the new construction, even the newer homes, probably in the last five to seven years that we had to do some work on, maybe redoing the bathroom, they never glued the drywall. I'm a strickler about gluing the drywall. Now, you got to get it up in the ceiling, and that's why it's designed for a lot more screws and nails and glue, is it holds so much better. And if the guys are going to be making those shortcuts, that's where you're going to have more problems.
0: Look, I, a com- I, Drywall should be a combination of screws and, and glue, right?
1: Yeah, you need to glue. Everything's got to be glued. You're, yep. that, that glue is bonding. The, the paper is bonding because if you screw it or nail it, that nail or, or screw, once it breaks the paper, it's useless. But the glue is going to hold up so much nicer. But you got to really do both. I don't negotiate. My jobs are all walls and ceilings, and the guys who I've been dealing with for the last fifteen years do that because what uh, we do for our jobs when they're too big for me. Uh, Dave and I stopped doing the drywall because it was just we're getting a little bit older. But what I do is, and the guys know that because I deal with a big company that comes out. Dave sets up a, one of the lawn chairs right inside the house and just watches them to make sure they glue. So that's cool. included my cost. But that's quality control. So that's the thing we try to stress the most about hiring somebody. It's just you got to make sure you got to know that the company that you're going to be hiring, who's the one physically doing the work? And again, I'm not faulting anybody. If you're going to have a good sub crew, that's great. But if the sub crew is not doing it right, then it comes back to the, the the contractor making sure it gets done right. So why doesn't have that contractor have a form in there to just watch the guys?
0: Yeah. QC is like, it's, it's a forgotten art.
1: It really is. Yeah. Well, in this business, it's like, give me your money. I'm just trying to get the job done. They just want to sell. Everybody just wants to sell. I'd rather at least educate you on my jobs to get you an understanding of what we're going to be doing. And look, if you want to set up a camera out front, you could do it. I want you seeing every bit of what we're doing, but here's the thing when it comes to the siding that is with me, I'm the one doing the work. And that's what I tell people. I put it in the contract that I'm the one doing the work because it builds a more trust factor. And then I don't even take people's money. I know I was trying to understand, like, yes, I don't take people's money on signing contracts. I'm very particular in who we work with. I don't take your money because I want to build that trust up. Companies today don't have that availability. So I've been around for 34 years, so it gives me something different. And I'm not saying everybody to run a company this way, but we're just something different. But if you can trust somebody from the beginning, you're going to get a customer for life. And that goes to any of my listeners that are contractors you're Doing it right and selling that to do it right is going to keep you in business a real long time. Because as you know, a bad word, a referral, bad referral, is going to go a lot further than a good referral.
0: Absolutely. Every single time. That's the advice.
1: But if you have any questions or issues, just give us an email here at Kevin at dot net, and let us help you through the process so we can minimize uh, any chances of you getting burned.
0: Okay. And listen, stick with us because we've got a very interesting feature coming up. We're going to be talking about homeowners insurance. And why it's so expensive for certain people, particularly people who have their homeowner's insurance through a company that sells nationally, and why insurance rates can change in a neighborhood from house to house. Very interesting, and you'll get a lot of really good information out of this feature. All right, we'll be back after we take a quick break. Hey, Kev, we can never, ever heap enough praise on Provia products. Like say they're metal roofing.
1: That's right. Provia metal roof replicates the classic look of cedar shake, quarried slate, and clay tile. Manufactured with 26-gauge galvanized steel and designed to withstand damaging hail, torrential rains, intense UV rays, and strong winds, a Pro-VM
0: metal roof is the last roof you'll ever need. With your roof covering 60% of your home's exterior, you'll appreciate the value of a Provia highly aesthetic metal roof that improves your home's curb appeal, provides 50-plus years of protection, requires little to no maintenance, and generates energy cost savings. And Provia's metal shake, slate, and barrel tile roof systems are made right here in the USA with domestically sourced steel, a portion of which is high-quality recycled steel.
1: Okay, Ron, it is time for the featured segment. I knew you and I have been talking a couple times about insurance and why the premium's been going up, and I know you have something I, great coming
0: on. Yours did, and you switched insurance companies, didn't you?
1: Well, I actually, <laughs> with the, my shore house, I actually went to the same company, but I had to lower the price of my insurance amount, and I raised the deductible to get the cost down, because okay, I never have okay. claims, so I'm not too worried about the deductible. Okay,
0: I understand that. Today, we're going to hear from Mike Salucci from Salucci Forehand in uh, Springfield, PA, this company represents Erie and other regional insurers who have been able to, for the most part, keep rates reasonable. And there's a reason for that. Mike's been on before to Your Valuable Home. We always appreciate your time and expertise. Mike, welcome back.
2: Hey, Ron, Kevin. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back.
0: Well, you represent Erie, which is my insurer and, and yours now too, right? For I've certain-
2: been with Erie with my company ah, okay. for a long time, but right. everything's
1: going to Erie. All my homeowners and all my personal is going to Erie because of that reason.
2: Okay. Yes, that's correct. We do represent them along with some other carriers, but the majority of our businesses would... We- with Erie for a number of reasons, but they're a great carrier and, and have been able to weather a lot of these tough markets and cycles that uh, some of the other carriers have been struggling with and what's going on right now.
0: Well, in which states does Erie provide insurance?
2: So they write in 13 states, obviously Pennsylvania, which is where we are. And then they are D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, North Carolina, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, missing West Virginia, Wisconsin. West so they kind of, you know, they're pretty picky about where they are, where they decide to the write business. And so if you look at that mix of states, I mean, I guess you could say New York or some of them may have, or North Carolina, I'm sorry, Maryland probably has a little bit of coastal exposure, but most of the other ones are relatively benign states, right? They're not down in Florida, they're not on the coast, they're not prone to earthquake and weather, who knows anymore. It could happen anywhere, it seems like. Ex- but,
0: exactly. Uh, yeah. But they're not, I yeah. mean, the history of it is, I think there are five top states, and none of right. them are in Erie's portfolio, from what Correct. I can tell. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of different data out there in terms of top states, and so, but you're right. I mean, there's usually that, I think it's like, you know, obviously California, Florida, you got a little Texas, Mississippi dumps out there, but right, they, they don't do business there. I don't think they have any intentions of doing business there, and they haven't since, I mean, Erie was founded in 1925, and so... They've grown a little bit by adding a few states in the last few years. Like Kentucky was their latest, but you know they're pretty conservative about where they go. And just because claim severity is up, right? That when you look, when you talk to carriers, the frequency of claims is really no worse than really any other years. It's just that every claim that they have is significantly more expensive to them. Whether it was a weather-related issue or even just something like your car, you know, it costs a heck of a lot more to replace a bumper on a car if you can even get the parts than it did a few years ago. So it's just driving up insurance costs across the board.
0: Yeah. Think about all the electronics just in your mirrors. Exactly. Right? Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. The, the days of the, probably Oh, knocking back off, into something. Right. Right. Probably it's knocking off there.
0: a $2,000 part there. If you, if you go over the bridge, like, you you to the bridge. It's it's like I just did. Yeah. Okay. okay. Easily. <laughs> easily. But I
3: fixed
1: it myself. It's all good. <laughs>
0: there
1: you go. Well, Mike, also with the amount thing, I know Ron and I talked about this several times. One of the things I uncovered a half a trillion dollar industry was roofers that are claiming hail damage or storm damage when you know there's no damage or saying quote quote there's damage that's got to be driving the cost up uh, with that also
2: it, it definitely is and so you know insurance fraud if you want to call it that whatever that's always been something that's been around but it is worse especially when you have these catastrophic weather events because not only there's obviously multiple houses communities impacted in these types of things and so these hail chasing contractors whatever you want to call them are preying on the fact that the insurance companies are just overwhelmed with claims and they're just going to kind of write checks to help their customers and, and move on to the next one. And Yeah, there's been plenty of stories, and we've seen it, where these contractors have actually gone up on the roof saying they're going to do an inspection for free and actually cause damage and then try to get it submitted. And that's a whole other mess that's just adding to this mess.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other kettle of fish. Who are these other small companies that they re- represent and where do they do business?
2: So the other carriers, we represent about 10 companies in total. And the other regional carriers, so one of them is called Philadelphia Contributionship, which is actually just a a property-only carrier. It was actually founded by Ben Franklin, the oldest insurance company in America, which is pretty unique, which is right downtown Philadelphia. How about that? And and so they write in three states, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Virginia. So they're pretty regional to here. Grange Insurance, based out of Columbus, Ohio, they have a similar footprint to what Erie has They're a large carrier in Ohio. That's like I said, where they're domiciled, but just where they've done business for a long time also. And then Westfield is another insurance company we may have heard of also Midwest company, and I think they're in maybe 15, 16 states to be all kind of a similar footprint, maybe adding one or two adjacent states to the ones that I mentioned for Erie, but again, definitely staying away from the most of the coasts and down south.
0: If somebody's interested in saving money on their homeowners and probably acquire insurance now too, should they seriously look at a regional company, some of the companies you just recommended?
2: I think they should. I mean, I think in general, they should just kind of, if they haven't shopped their insurance, they should just take a look. Now, unfortunately, what a lot of people are finding is what they have is still better than what they can find elsewhere because there's a number of variables that go into pricing insurance, but a lot of when you're shopping for new insurance, You know there could be prior claim activity there could be prior things that are impacting your ability to get a competitive rate now whereas your current company although they've taken a rate increase they may not be taking as much rate as you may be seeing if you're trying to buy a new one and there are carriers out there that actually aren't even writing new business or trying to limit how much new business they take so regional carriers are a great place to start just because we've seen them do a little less of the rate changes than some others but they're still happening right so It used to be that, you know, if you and I around lived across the street and we have a similar house, the cost of our insurance would be the same. That's just not the case anymore. There's so many variables that go into pricing insurance and they look at insurance scoring, which is kind of like a credit model, and all this kind of stuff that we could have the same exact house and we could be paying very different prices in insurance. So it's always worth the exercise of calling a few, maybe throwing a regional company in there and just taking a look and seeing what's out there compared to what you have.
0: You mentioned that, uh, you know, most of these things happen in the same place year after year after year. But the event that happened in California with the rain and everything, with this the, the atmospheric river, river yep. yeah. And it keeps coming back and, and, and hanging over L.A. and San Diego. A lot of those people are not covered, right?
2: Yeah, that's. I mean, water damage is kind of one of the most common types of property claims that's out there and it's everything from pipe bursts to hot water heater blows or whatever but the, the tricky ones are when we have these crazy storms and there's moving groundwater or ground saturated water or or something that is freak, like kind of happening in california i mean it's obviously reoccurring so it might not be considered a freak anymore but yeah these people weren't in high-risk flood zones where even mortgage companies or banks or whoever required them to carry flood insurance and most people don't because flood insurance is okay it's not The best, but usually people just get it when they need it or when they're in an area that somebody requires it. So most of those type of scenarios are not part of homeowners insurance, nor could you even buy coverage under your homeowners insurance for it. And so I think that's why some of these carriers are saying, "Okay, well, this is going to be a common theme of a type of claim. Either we need to figure out a way to develop coverage and have our customers, if they want, buy it. Or maybe we just have to get out of this area because it's going to keep happening, and we and we can't figure out a solution for it. Because sometimes it impacts other portions of the house that could be turned into insurance claims. So hard water is a hard thing to navigate through.
1: But Mike, you know, for these people that have these trouble getting homeowners insurance, or if they're buying a house somewhere down the shore, would you recommend what I like to do is go with a higher deductible?
2: Absolutely. I mean, that we're doing that for not only areas that are difficult to get coverage, but just as people are experiencing these rate increases. The first question is, "Is like what can I do?" And that's the that's the first thing to look at your deductible because historically people used to carry pretty low deductibles. I mean, we used to see five hundred dollar deductibles, seven fifty deductibles, and now some companies don't even sell anything less than a thousand. I mean, on my own homeowners, I carry a twenty five hundred dollar deductible. So it's just one of those where it's everyone has their own comfort and threshold of where do I want help. But that's the first thing to look at because it minimizes those smaller claims and insurance companies are willing to give you a pretty decent discount for it.
1: What is Erie's maximum deductible you can get?
2: 10000
1: If your house is getting worked on, if you're getting worked on by a contractor, maybe you talk to them about some future things that you can do to prevent some of these catastrophic losses. Because if it's all done, you're, you're sure that you're probably not going to need it. And you're not one of the persons that like to put in all the claims, like Mike just said, smaller claims maybe go to the higher deductible if your house is either redone brand new something where
0: you're being built Yeah, I built agree with that. It. That's what, that's all right. I, I think I think mine's around 1000, isn't it, Mike? Something. I, yeah, like I that.
2: think yours is 1500 1, actually. 1500. Okay.
0: All
2: right. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of the, that 1000 to 2500 kind of seems a sweet spot. And and we do have customers that have 5000, 10000 and to Kevin, your point, usually they're newer homes. Or they're renovated where they say, hey, we got a pretty good pulse on all this stuff being pretty new. And sure, something could happen, but we're, we have the financial wherewithal to take on more. And I wouldn't submit anything less than 10000 anyway. Like those are the types of scenarios and you do get some savings for. it But the push of a button and a call to your insurance company, they, they could say, hey, here's how much you save and here are the deductible options. So it's a good thing to look into.
0: Good. I want to get back into sort of the uh, macro view of this. Have Erie or the other companies you represent ever had to pull out of states because of Unacceptable losses due to natural events?
2: The companies we currently represent have not pulled out of any states. Over the 20-some years we've been doing this, we've had a carrier here that have left the state of Pennsylvania, not necessarily just because of weather events. A lot of times it's when a company says, hey, we want to do business in this new state, and they go into it and they think they had all the data and all the claims experience, and then they really have a rough go at it for whatever reason, whether it was just a bad weather year or a combination of things, or they can't get their pricing right, And then they pull out. Sometimes it's just even just the insurance department in that state, the legislation in that state doesn't allow them to do things, to make money, to change rates the way they want to. So New Jersey is one of those states where that happens constantly. Companies are constantly coming in and out for a number of all of those reasons. We are licensed in New Jersey, but those regional carriers that I mentioned that we represent don't even write their for those reasons. So we've been lucky because it does leave the customers a little bit high and dry. and they give them a heads up and you get some time to figure out where else they can go and what you can find for them. But there's not always an easy solution. And so we try to partner with companies that we know have a pretty good track record in the states that they do business in and, and hopefully it's stable.
0: So it's a more conservative approach to probably car insurance and homeowners, Correct.
2: It definitely is. Try to find the best solution for our customers and keep them happy and make sure that they're right with, with the right company and to put them with carriers that could be new and the newest, latest thing. And they have really sharp, low pricing at this point, but then next year they're gone. It's just frustrating for everyone. So we try not to do that.
0: Have Erie and other companies that you represent ever had to pull out of states because of unacceptable losses?
2: No, not the companies that we represent. Some of them are struggling more than they have in the past, but they're not at that brink where they're, they're going to have to pull out of the states. We haven't heard anything. Some of them are just trying to slow down the business that they're writing in these current states just to kind of make sure that they can handle it and handle the claims that come with
0: it. Now, in terms of like the last couple of years, can you compare the, the companies that you represent and their increases over the last couple of years in terms of magnitude vis-a-vis the national companies that were in Florida and California?
2: yeah I could give you some estimates mm-hmm. there I mean you know the the market as I mentioned goes through these cycles right so in when it's not in this what we call a hard market now when it's kind of the softer flatter market, usually we'll see you know, you, everyone sees their rates jump around a little bit right but maybe it's a zero to five six percent plus or minus, and that's kind of what people expect the last eighteen months or two years, I would say that our regional carriers and we'll just we'll talk about property insurance now, so homeowners. The regional carriers are somewhere between we've seen like twelve to wow. 30 percent rate increases.
0: It's a big delta. It's
2: significant. <laughs> yeah. It's totally. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's so again there's there's a ton of variables that go into pricing that but I'm just saying on average and, and it's there's different like if they took a twenty percent rate increase in Pennsylvania, that's not twenty percent for everybody in Pennsylvania. There's some that are getting eleven, there's some getting twenty two, there's some getting twenty four based off of where they live and all this kind of stuff. But so regionals are in that range. And the nationals, you know, we've seen they kind of on the low end, of the, they're, they're there, but we've seen some in the 40 to 45, 50% on the top, top end of rate increases. So they're not all, not all national carriers are doing that, but we've definitely seen a bigger delta with those guys. It's definitely on the higher side. That's
1: huge. Well, my HO6 down the shore went up 38%. And I've never had a claim yeah, on any of my homes 30, ever. 38%. 38%. See, I, when I was talking to my agent, I said, listen, I get it. I understand. But for, I, I, and I get the replacement cost value, but nothing's going up over the past couple of years. Let's talk about all the claims that I had. Well, she never had a claim. I'm like, absolutely. Don't you think I should okay, not so be wh- getting wh- it?
0: Was, what's, what's the deal?
1: they said, that's what it is.
0: <clears throat> that's what it is. I mean.
1: And then we checked other carriers and it was still even higher than that. I've never had a right. claim on homeowners ever in any of the homes. It just went up. So what I did, it was lowered $100,000 for the interior. Then I moved the deductible from 1000 to 5000 to get the price somewhere where I could make it affordable.
2: Yeah, that's what we're seeing. I mean, we're having those conversations all day, every day. It's frustrating for both sides because I mean, we don't control the pricing. We understand where the insurance companies are coming from, and some of them are doing it kind of a bit aggressively, you know, we think, and you know, a customer saying, hey, look, I, I've been a pretty good customer. And it's think, like, well, you know, the concept of the insurance is they're not just worried about your premiums and, and your claims. They're kind of looking at this as a whole pool, which is the concept of it. And so everybody's getting it. We're all sharing in it. And nobody likes that when they've been claim-free.
1: Right.
0: You know, you, you mentioned something a couple of minutes ago where Kevin and I live in the same street. He's across the street from me. He could be paying a higher rate than I'm paying. I always thought it, it could vary in states, you know, by like if you're in San Francisco or something like that, or if you're in L.A. versus uh, Northern California.
2: It used to be, I would say, zip code level would have been the, was the most narrow it's been. But with just the amount of data that's out there, now that insurance companies have i mean they certain they can price specific coverages to the household level so they could say water backup coverage for kevin's house should be this and it should be this for ron's house
0: what about somebody so, with a pool versus no pool
2: exactly there's okay. all those factors look at a pool how long have you owned the house the age of the house the age of the roof what kind of heating system your credit and so all sorts of things that they thousands and thousands of price points and variables that go into it and, and we don't see all that i mean we're just kind of making sure you have the coverages you need the insurance companies is based off of what we know and what you've told us and what the customers told us here's what the price is
0: now, do the same factors apply to automobile insurance
2: they do they Very do similar. how about that yeah okay. they do they do <clears throat> And even some of them cross over. Some carriers actually look, when they're looking at your homeowner's insurance pricing, they say, well, what's the story on the auto? Did you have accidents? How many cars do you have? How many drivers do you have? All things that they think are some predictors of potential homeowner's claim. It's pretty complicated stuff.
1: It's tough for me to understand. It's that if you never have claims on any of homeowner's or auto. Well, they're picking, they're picking up
2: on
0: something that they're not telling you about. It, 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 to yeah. say it is well, what it is. is right, it, exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those. So in your scenario, it's one of those where the insurance company says, hey, we look at New Jersey. I'm just going to use it. It's going to know where specifically your house is. But we'll say, hey, we look at New Jersey on a whole. Our claims experience as a whole there we need to hit whatever the profit margin is to be profitable. We need filing of 38%, right? And so then they go to the processes. They go to the New Jersey State uh, Insurance Department and say, hey, insurance department, I'm using a company name. Company A says, we need 38%. And then the insurance department reviews it, says, give us the the findings, the data behind that. And they say, great, we'll approve 28%. So now they say, okay, well, we can get 28 of our 38. And then they look at all of their policies. And then they start chopping it up for, okay, well, if we need 28, we're going to get 28 on average. You know, Kevin's getting 38 because his house or his unit is closer to here, the beach, whatever. And these people that are more inland are getting 11. And so it all comes out to that 28 and they just do that rate review. Some of them are doing it multiple times a year and they'd like to do it more frequently, but the insurance departments, which are trying to protect consumers, obviously also delay or hold up how quickly and how much rate they can get They They do. They put the lid on Mm -hmm. it and they say, well, you just did it six months ago, so you can't, or you can take smaller. And so that's kind of the process behind the scenes. But yeah, there's so many variables as to who gets what, when, once they figure out what they're allowed to take from the state.
1: Yeah, that's what I did. Exactly what you said is with my house, I put a new mechanical system and I put brand new siding on brand new windows, brand new roof, brand new doors. Everything's brand new. Because I didn't want any problems down the line from the insurance company. I figured what you just said should be incorporated into what I'm doing. Seems that way. I never had a claim.
2: And it should be. It just seems like those type of things, because they do ask about that stuff, right? And, And those type of things kind of get... Just the pure rate indications and the rate increases that they take, the base rates kind of overshadow uh, some of that claim-free stuff and the discounts that they give you for. So it's not that they're not acknowledging that. It's just that they need so much rate that it just kind of pummels those, those good features of the house and says, well, you know, good thing. Because if you were a bad person and you had an old roof and you had a bunch of claims, instead of 38, you'd probably have 65%, right? And so they like, don't you feel great about that? It's like, no, I don't. 38 still stinks. <laughs> yeah, So exactly. You know, that's kind of the uh, approach often.
1: So basically you're saying the good people are getting punished for some of the bad people that are just not doing what they're supposed to do.
2: They are. And the bad people are getting really punished. So they're getting a really ugly rate and the good people are getting an ugly
0: rate. Homeowner's insurance is basically a shared risk business. There are three parties in it, the homeowner, the insurance company, and the reinsurer. Right. So the reinsurers have to be looking more kindly on like the type of companies that you represent vis-a-vis like a state farm all Allstate to sell nationally.
2: I think they do. You know, that's kind of the behind the scenes of really what's driving the rates to consumers are the actual rates that the reinsurers are charging to the insurance companies, right? That's the main driver of rates because the insurance companies aren't retaining all those risks themselves. They're, in fact, going out and buying the insurance from the reinsurers. It's not a, a market. I mean, I'm aware of it. A little bit. It's not a market that we play in. But we've heard from executives and company meetings and looking at their report that they send out that reinsurance rates are higher than they've been in many, many years. And that's really what's forcing these companies to pass it down to even the good people, right? That's why Kevin's getting 38%, because the reinsurer is charging his carrier 38% more at least. Exactly. Feels Boy, good. Mm.
1: Man, does that sounds good.
0: <laughs> so, this is this a way of looking at things? If you pushed your deductible up to ten thousand dollars, right? Five thousand. Five five thousand. Okay. So, if you did it to five thousand, ten thousand, whatever it is, are you in essence then reinsuring part of your property? I mean, mean self really, ins- self-insuring. Insuring. Yeah, self-insuring yeah, yeah. Insuring
2: it. Yeah, you are. Yeah, which is what a lot of people in in areas like Florida, California, they're self-insuring not only a deductible. Some of them are self-insuring the entire property because they can't get coverage or they can't afford the insurance and and it's not you know on these newer bigger homes it's usually on the the couple that has lived in florida for 70 years and they have one of the little last cottages left and they said we can't afford the insurance so we just have to self-insure the entire thing. And if it happens, it happens. What can we do? So it's it's putting people in some bad situations.
0: Do you suppose we'll reach a tipping point in the state's hardest hit by uh, climate change and other calamities where home values begin to suffer, especially states where insurers have decided to pull out?
2: I think it has to at some point if it continues, just because, again, homeowners will not be able to afford the total cost of owning a home there, right? And so forget just the, the The market value of the house is high. Now they have insurance, we'll just use the example, that skyrocketed. And I said, we we can't handle that cost and we can't self-insure this house of this size or this value. So they just may go elsewhere, right? And if there's no demand for those properties, I think it's going to impact the market value. I don't don't know when and how that will be, but becoming more and more a factor of the insurance than it it ever has of people making those decisions. So it's got to impact it.
0: The big question is, where does this all go?
2: Yeah, and who knows? I mean, that's the hard part. I'm, I'm hoping that insurers will get a better handle on this or figure out ways to better, even more sophisticated pricing where they can get Kevin a lower rate increase because he's done everything that he should have and his house is great compared to somebody who hasn't so that they can kind of focus in on that a little bit more. But you know, who knows how long that takes and, and what they can do there.
0: What's your take on the state-supported homeowners insured? Is it a long-term solution?
2: I don't think so. I mean, if you're referring to the fair plan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those are right. So it's a place of last resort, really, and that's what has always been. And it's not an easy process to get it. The coverage is usually pretty limited. Pricing is so-so. So it's usually it's like, hey, I have nowhere else to go. Let me use this. And so you know, we don't do much of that business. And just because we try to find another carrier, because there's just so many advantages other than the fair plan. But it is a solution. I, I don't know if it's a long-term solution to the to the market, but it's a solution to people that are at their last resort.
0: Well, it is happening in Florida and California now too. I'm sure it's happening down in uh, Tornado Alley as well, right?
2: It It is. And it's actually, so there's more states creating fair plans and it's actually forcing some of these companies to rework their programs, which is good news, right? To try to make them better, more comprehensive programs as opposed to what they've been very limited. So I, I think that's the upside to it. I just don't think it'll get to the point where they can reasonably compete from a coverage perspective with whether it's regional or, or national carriers' traditional homeowners' policies.
0: Okay. So the big takeaway here is if you're paying too much for insurance right now and you're with a national carrier, take a look at a regional carrier that doesn't write in states that have enormous problems with the climate or whatever.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Thanks so for having me. It was great.
0: We'll do it again.
2: I would love to. Remember
0: the name Provia,
1: your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone and metal roofing. Products made with latest technology and honest old-world craftsmanship. The Provia way.